0: So if you're new here, we're so thankful that you are uh, here and visiting with us today. And we hope to get to know you better as the weeks go on. So that would be totally awesome. Um, We are going through the Bible. It's One of the things that we do is very... Uh, unique to our churches. We're going through the Bible in five years together as a congregation. So if you're new here, what we do is we read a little bit of the scripture together uh, all through the week, six days during the week. And we come together on Sundays and our message is based in part or in whole on the scriptures that we studied during the week. If you'd like to uh, be a part of the weekly devotionals that we're doing. There are a couple ways that you can do that. First way is to go to the information desk where we have the readings for the entire year. They're out on a little booklet for you. Even have a notebook and accompanying notebook that you can get with that. If you're a good note taker, how many note takers we have in here? About 50%. You guys all did great in school, right? That's awesome. So, um, so, we got, if you love taking notes and you can grab a note take, we ask for a $10 donation. If you don't have that, we, we'll be happy to give it to you. We just want you to be along with us. The other way that you can do that is you can go online to our YouTube channel, heightschristian.org, uh, not dot heights, com backslash Heights Christian Church. And from there, you can subscribe to our channel and we go through our devotions. In a, in a daily format together where we do it as a little devotional online. And so you can go through the same scriptures. We add a little bit more to it so that, you know, it's kind of relevant for what's going on in your life. Pull something out that you can use that day and grow closer to Christ. This past week, we went through Genesis chapters 32 through 36. Woohoo! kind of finished the major part of Jacob's life. This is where the scripture kind of stops its major focus on Jacob. Jacob is still there uh, through some of it. And some of this is just very well known. If we've read the scriptures before, if we know the story of Jacob, we see that Jacob is worried about Esau. He finds himself in the camp of God, worried about what's going to happen now that Esau is coming with 400 men. He spends the night at the camp. He takes two different camps for his uh, family. He's worried about being attacked by his brother because of the bad blood between them. He sends the family on their way, and he stays overnight and prays at this camp and wrestles with God, and God blesses him. He also kind of cripples him, too, as a result of this wrestling with God. The next day... Jacob goes out first, separates his family into four different groups based on the wives and the children that he has. And as he's going out, Esau is coming with his men and he is received favorably. Whether that's because of the injury that he has, there's a lot of speculation concerning that, but he's he's received favorably and he praises God for it. And we continue on with jacob's life and we see that some of his family begins to die of old age and die of other things that are happening to them rachel dies in childbirth and birthing his last son benjamin as he's walking along the way. In the end of chapter 35 we see the death of Isaac. It's it's almost a byline. If we walk through this. Remember Jacob fled with Esau. Fled from Esau. Worried that he was going to die. in the In the very near future. And yet we see that Isaac lived. To see his children. And most likely many of his grandchildren as well. Because by the time that. Isaac died at 180 years old. Jacob was 120. So we don't know when God has called our number. We sometimes think we know, but we don't know when God has called our number. Oh, dad's going to die any day now. You're going you're to die. He went, got four wives, 12, 13 children, and came back. And those children had children, outlived some of his wives or concubine, and saw those children grow up. What a blessing Isaac had. And then we see the descendants of Esau in chapter 36. In the middle of all of that, right there in the center of what we read this week, is a very harsh account that kind of assaults our sensibilities. As a matter of fact, because of such, there's not a lot of sermons that are spoken on concerning such unspeakable things that happen. But we're, we believe in the whole counsel of Scripture, and it's important for us to walk through even these tough passages of Scripture so that we can learn what God has to say for us through their examples, whether good or bad, and walk biblically through what he's called us to do. And so today's sermon is titled, How to Handle the Unspeakable. Because in the middle of this, we see some unspeakable things that happen. And so, to get the framework for what we're going to read today, we're going to just read the entire chapter, Genesis chapter 34, together. So if you have your Bibles with you, open it up to Genesis chapter 34. We're going to start in verse 1 and read all the way through. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and violated her. His heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father, Hamar, get me this girl as my wife. When Jacob heard that his daughter Dinah had been defiled, his sons were in the fields with his livestock, so he kept quiet about it until they came home. Then Shechem's father Hamar went out to talk with Jacob. Now Jacob's sons had come in from the fields. As soon as they had heard what had happened, they were filled with grief and fury because Shechem had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter a thing that should not be done. But Hamar said to them, my son Shechem has in his heart, has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. And Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and I will give you whatever you ask Make price for the bride and gift, the gift I am to bring, as great as you like, and I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the girl as my wife. Because her sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father Hamar. They said to them, we can't do such a thing. We cannot give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We will give our consent to you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hamar and his son Shechem. The young man who was the most honored of all of his father's household lost no time in doing what they said because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So Hamar. And his son Shechem went to the gate of their city to speak with their fellow townsmen. These men are friendly toward us, they said. Let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours. But the men will consent to live with us as one people only on the condition that our males be circumcised as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all their other animals become ours? So let's give our consent to them, and they'll settle among us. All the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Hamar and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamar and his son, Shechem, to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me a stench to the Canaanite and the Pezrites, the Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they replied, should he have treated our sister as a prostitute? I'm not sure that this passage of Scripture forms a prescriptive way to handle such unspeakable events. So how do we handle when such unspeakable things happen? Nobody wants such tragedies to befall us. I dare say that unfortunately the culture that we live in and the fallen world that we find ourselves in some of us have been victimized by such terrible events. So let's break down what happened in this passage of scripture. The things that led to the terrible events that happened the wake of even more terrible solutions to a problem. The first thing that we can look at is that Dinah needed to be aware of her surroundings. Now this isn't victim shaming for those of you who are in our popular culture today. Nobody's blaming Dinah for what happened to her. But there is a modicum of understanding the the place in where we are when we put ourselves in undue danger and not know it. When we look at the first four verses here, it says, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. And when Shechem, son of Hamar, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and violated her. His heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father, Hamar, get me this girl as my wife." You'll notice Dinah went with the women of the land. She decided, I want to find out more about this culture of this people that I'm surrounded with. And she went by herself. Young lady. By herself into a land where they didn't hold the same values as was held within her household. Imperfect as her household was. As a matter of fact, just to think about this, verse 19, the young man, Shechem, by the way, the one who violated Dinah, who was the most honored of all of his father's household. This is the most honored person in this city. This is what everybody wants to be like, is like Shechem. Remember the old 90s commercials, be like Mike? If I could be like Mike, right? In their city, it'd be if I could be like Shechem. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it. This was the honorable man in this city. The one who violated Dinah. As a matter of fact, not just that, the whole culture seems very shameless concerning this whole situation. He has violated her, he has raped her. Verses 6 through 12 say this. Then Shechem's father Hamar went out to talk with Jacob. Now Jacob's son had come in from the fields as soon as they had heard what had happened. They were filled with grief and fury because Shechem had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. But Hamar said to them, my son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it. Trade in it. Acquire property in it. And Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I am to bring as great as you like and I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the girl as my wife. What a bold statement to someone who has just raped Jacob's daughter. Worldviews matter. They lead to mores And norms within society based upon those worldviews. There is a reason. Why Jacob went to and back to his his forefather's land to find a wife because the wives and the people who were there in the land were troublesome they did not hold to the same values they did not have the same God they were not living the same way of life that was passed down by Abraham to Isaac and to Isaac to Jacob and Esau as a matter of fact part of the reason that Esau that Jacob fled and the excuse from it was Esau had married within the land and it says that his wives that were from the land were a headache and a trouble to Jacob, to uh, excuse me, to Isaac and Rebekah. Worldviews matter. We find ourselves in the same situation today, whether we recognize it or not. The worldview of our culture is not the worldview of Christ. We are getting reminded of that over and over again. As a matter of fact, it almost feels like this mantra. As I come up here every single week, it's like, yeah, we hear it. Now, do you really understand the consequences of not critically thinking through the fact that we are surrounded in a culture that does not adopt our worldview as believers in Christ. This past week, Albuquerque made national news again. Yay, Albuquerque. Unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons. Project Veritas dropped a video. How many of you saw that video? Some of you might have. A few of you did. It was about our Albuquerque public school systems. Our teachers have been trained. This is not me. This is undercover video that came out this week. Our teachers have been trained To involve our kids in transgender ideology without parents' knowledge or permission. To literally call them by their, their classified names, nouns, pronouns, whatever in school. And even change that up when talking to the parents for parents' teacher conferences or online stuff or anything like that. We are living in an age right now where our culture in every area, in our education, in our entertainment, and in our governance lives according to a worldview that is not our own. And we are playing Russian roulette when we uncritically allow ourselves and our children into these environments And say, it's fine for you to be there. I want to tell you something. If you're seeing it in an undercover video, this hasn't been going on just last week. This has been going on ever since... 2015, and I know I've been a youth pastor. I know the stories from children in our youth group who have been affected since the day it was allowed. Dinah took a chance walking into a culture. Where the most noble person would rape her and find no problem at all coming to dad and saying, I want her as my wife. You think maybe she should have taken a little bit more precaution, not blaming her for what happened to her. Moms and dads, dead serious. The school system that you are in, and I'm not talking individual teachers, I'm talking as a whole, have been trained specifically to undermine your authority as the leader of your children concerning the most important decisions that they may make. It has affected people in this congregation. Families have been hurt by this ideology. And have lost sons and daughters to this ideology. I am not talking political. I am talking worldview. As a believer in Jesus Christ, worldviews matter. And where we place our children matters. One of the big conversations that we had coming out of our conference from dallas was the thing that i mentioned just a few weeks back where we said we want to provide and consider to provide an environment for families in this place who want out of this environment but don't know how don't know what i'm going to do with it yet working on it praying about it we were talking about it the whole trip back because these worldviews don't match up and our children were playing russian roulette with our kids Playing Russian roulette for ourselves, the more we surround ourselves with this ungodly culture. Treat it as entertainment, as if it doesn't affect our souls, and it does. And we become prime for victimization by those who don't hold to our worldview. This is what happened with Dinah she walked into a culture that was not her own and she walked into it unguarded and bad things happened if only that were the worst of it and that was bad enough Dinah's going to hold those scars for the rest of her life number two when the unspeakable happens, we must seek justice, not vengeance. We see two reactions by Jacob and his family. Jacob does nothing, we see absolutely nothing from Jacob. Tamar and Shechem come up to him. They ask for his daughter in marriage. And we just see that he's kind of silent about the whole thing. And Scripture doesn't say that he was going to do anything. He wasn't planning anything. He didn't sit down with his, his kids and say, hey, this is what's going to happen. We see nothing. You know why? Because sometimes when the unspeakable happens, we are caught wholly unprepared to handle it. And I believe this is where Jacob's at. Because we see nothing. But the brothers, Simeon and Levi, now they had a different idea. And their plan is simply to deceive the people who are coming and asking for Dinah as shechem's wife no 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 we we can't we can't intermarry with you unless you are circumcised like we are and they hatch this deceitful plan if you're circumcised as we are, we'll become one people. And and we see a little bit more of this deceitful scheming, not just on Levi and Simeon's part, but even on the people of the land, Hamar and Shechem, who go to everybody else and say, hey, if they if they intermarry with us, won't all that they have become ours? Won't we assimilate them into our culture? Won't it be great? We'll all be this one people. And really, in reality, we'll get all of this extra wealth that we don't have right now. Can you You see the possibilities. and So Simeon and Levi convinced them to get circumcised, all the males to get circumcised. They go talk about it in front of the gate of the city, which is where business was taken care of. So the business that's taken care of says, let, us, let them trade in our land and live in our land and, and have flocks and all of this stuff in our land right here. Can, can we do that? And they make that a, a possibility for the people who are there. Jacob and his people are now free to settle, free to sell, free to go any place. It's been made official at the gates of that city. The men are circumcised, they're recovering from that circumcision. And Simeon and Levi fulfill their plot. And they go in and they kill every single male in the city. The other brothers come in and they, they plunder the city of all of their loot, and they take all of the women and the children. And the violation that had happened to Dinah has been avenged a hundredfold, but it wasn't theirs to do. See, this is what happens when we replace vengeance from biblical justice. See, biblical justice would say that the soul who sins is the one who's supposed to pay the price. Therefore, what should have happened should have been an appeal toward Shechem and toward justice of whatever would be reasonable for what had happened to Dinah. Whether that be death, whether that be payment, whether that be whatever was reasonable at that time to bring restitution and peace to this situation. That was never entertained by anyone. But because they were unwilling and unable to understand what had just happened, they were caught up in this rage in this moment because of this injustice. And they said, everybody is, I mean, if if Shechem is the best of them, that means all of them are bad. They all deserve to die. But Shechem is the only one who committed the violation. We've been dealing with the same thing in our culture today. A couple years ago, we had the George Floyd incident. I don't really care what side of the the coin you are on concerning the George Floyd incident. Whether you think it was innocent, whether you think he was guilty. The problem is what happened to George Floyd should have been settled in a court of law concerning George Floyd and those immediately involved. That is biblical justice. But what happened? We started hearing cries across this nation of how everything is unfair, the system is totally rigged, everything is wrong about everything. And so we started seeing riots across cities here in the United States, from Seattle to Minneapolis to Atlanta to every place in between. And where there was one unfortunate death before. No matter how you feel about that death or how you feel it was justified or unjustified, there were now dozens that took its place. Inner cities that burned. All because we have mistaken vengeance for justice. And are we any the better for it? Do we feel... Safer as a result of the things that have happened? Because we took things into our own hands and decided that because this one incident happened, the whole thing must be corrupt and burnt to the ground. It's exactly what happened here, isn't it? there's no peace see the sons took the position of god see vengeance belongs to god not to man it's mine to avenge i will repay that's what the lord says we're supposed to be trusting in him that ultimate judgment comes from god it doesn't come from us But Jacob's sons walk through this and and they make something so much worse. And nobody is minimizing the terrible thing that happened to Dinah. But now we've murdered all the men in the city. All of those mothers and children no longer have fathers. And they're taken away from their lands and all the possessions are taken away. Is that... Biblical justice. That's why I say this isn't really a prescriptive passage. And yet, we live in a country right now that seems to be following this type of justice, this type of vengeance, this type of understanding to a T. We live in a country that doesn't share our worldview anymore. And that worldview not being shared leads to these vengeful actions. we're seeing happening it's like we don't recognize the place anymore right seriously if you're older right now that's what you're thinking i don't i don't recognize the place i don't i don't understand how things have gotten so bad so fast and it's why i come with the warning that we just can't uncritically walk into it with ourselves or our children Romans 12, verse 19, just so that you can see the whole context of the verse. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, then steps on and says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How, how different, right, that we're supposed to act. Number three. Only God can bring healing to the unspeakable. Only God can bring healing to the unspeakable. We live in a fallen world. And I don't want unspeakable things to happen to you, but unspeakable things do happen. We live in a world where some are in rebellion against God and all that is good, that God defines as good, they rebel against. We live in a culture that does not define good the way that we define good the way that God defines good. And it's going to lead to unspeakable and has led to unspeakable evils. Some will be granted a measure of justice here on this earth, but none of that is guaranteed to us as believers in Christ. It's not to despair, and we shouldn't despair because this isn't our home. This isn't what you and I are looking forward to. If this broken world is your heaven, I got news for you. There's something better. Praise God. And it gives hope to all who have suffered such unspeakable evils to realize this is not the end. This is not the end result. Even if I don't get justice in this place. I'm promised one day, someday before the throne of God, either dealt with on the cross of Christ or through eternal punishment, separation from God in hell. Justice. Justice. True, biblical, final, eternal justice will be given. God doesn't overlook. God hasn't forgotten about it. God doesn't look at the pain that you've endured that may never have its fulfillment here on this earth in justice and say, I'm not going to make that right. He is one day set aside a day of judgment where all things will be made right. It's the hope of every Christian, no matter where we are, how we live, where we're at in the world. And, you know, we can trust that because God sent his son to live among us. And not just to live among us, but that he himself would endure on our behalf the same suffering that we cry out to him for. Hebrews chapter 2, chapter 12, excuse me, verses 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured such treatment from sinful men This is not a God who cannot relate to these horrible, terrible, unspeakable things that have happened. He allowed it to happen to him. And he entrusted himself to the Father. And he asks that we do the same. And healing for you, for whatever injustice that has happened, whatever unspeakable thing can only be granted at the cross of Christ where the hope is not here on this earth. But someday, one day, someday, one day, God will make it all right. Romans chapter 5. We've referenced it before I'm going to reference it probably a lot just because it's important for us to remember why do I know I can trust God to redeem all things my terrible situations because if I come right down to you know, if I comes right down to it I'm part of that terrible situation and so are you It's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. The whole reason that he was victimized by men is for you and me because of the rebellion that we've had against God. And the beauty of it is he loved us anyway and chose to endure the cross and scorning its shame so that we might have life with him. And I just love these verses from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom... We now have received reconciliation. See, only God can bring healing to the unspeakable. Not excusing the unspeakable, but he died for it. And someday, one day, there'll be justice for it. I'd like for you all just to stand for just a moment. If I could have you close your eyes, bow your heads. We've talked about a lot of hard stuff. I don't think it would be a stretch for me to say that in this room with the number of people that we have here some of you have dealt with the unspeakable you've been wounded by the terribleness of this world by men who have done evil things My prayer is you found healing in Christ, but if you haven't, then then there's this, this lack of peace and closure that you can have today through Jesus and through him alone. And I would invite you to come and talk with somebody. And if you find yourself right now in an unspeakable situation, I would encourage you. Speak out about that situation. That unspeakableness will not go away until we voice it and have the courage to do so. And I will pray to God for courage for you to come forward and talk. You don't have to do it in front of the church today. Just come and grab one of us, somebody as a leader, somebody in your life group and say, this is what's going on because you cannot break this cycle until it's brought into the light. And those who would do the evil to victimize people will not stop until they're forced to do so. So I pray for courage for you if you need to speak out. If you're a parent playing loose and uncritical with the culture around you, please recognize this culture is not Christian the entertainment options that we place before ourselves and for our children, the education that our government currently is promoting usurps your authority as parents, God given right where God wants you to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They're undoing it in these public settings. Do not be unaware. And we as a church want to help in any way we can. And all of you, I just pray this, that you know that someday, someday, one day, Jesus is coming back he's going to right every wrong every wrong and we will stand before the throne of God and call it just and good and until that day comes that's where our hope lies in the one that brings perfect justice to all of us oh God I just pray in the name of Jesus This day, I pray for healing for those who have suffered through the unspeakable. I pray for healing that comes only at the cross of Jesus Christ, where you take away our shame and our guilt, false or real, dear Heavenly Father, it drops away as we trust in you, the only one who can bear it. Because we can't, Lord. We just can't. And so we throw it at your feet, oh God, that you would restore us and bring us, dear Heavenly Father, peace that comes all. That you will admit right every wrong that has ever happened, even if we don't see it in this lifetime. God give us that peace give us that wisdom as parents Lord give us that wisdom as just people walking in this culture not to walk around with our blinders on as if we can be unaffected by the godless ways around us may we live truly for you and may you provide the peace and freedom That you have promised in Jesus Christ. This we pray in his name. Amen.